Okay. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast. I'm your host, Darren Campbell, and joining me as usual on a Monday is Jason Cameron. Hey, Jason, how's it going? I'm good. I'm good. I, I, I had a great weekend. It was uh, my birthday. Nice. Happy yeah. belated birthday. Must have been yeah. fun to celebrate compared yeah, to yeah, last year. Yeah. Hey, anything was better than last year. Last year, I didn't get a chance to do like anything like at all. Like I was here in my apartment. Now, here's a funny story. Real quick aside. So my friend phoned me up and he said, and he's snickering, though, as he's phoning me, he goes, huh, so what are you doing for your birthday? I, I imagine a lot, right? And I'm like, no, I'm not doing nothing. What are you doing? Just, right. yeah, you're just poking Thanks, the hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was really mean-spirited. He's a mean guy. But but this this weekend was great. You know, I got to see some friends, got to see some family. It was just It was just nice. It was nice that people reached out and wanted to see me for my birthday, so... It was cool. It's cool. Good to hear. That's great. It's nice to be loved and nice to be social and get a chance to see everybody you want to. And um, the years keep ticking by. And uh, but yeah, it's nice to be able to celebrate a bit and have some fun. Um, I spent a ton of the weekend watching sports as always. And uh, I had four days, so I felt uh, pretty rested, pretty happy. Uh, a ton of March Madness, which was great. I know you missed uh, a lot of that being away, but um, now you're off. Uh, you'll be able to catch a ton of it. Uh, man, there was so many upsets, so many huge games. Um, I think because of this COVID and lots of games being canceled through the year, I just feel like it was hard to seed them and hard to rank them. And and so it's just kind of throw it up in the air and you know see what works. But yeah, so many upsets. It's been uh, unprecedented, I think. Yeah, yeah. And and obviously a lot of that has to do with our current situation with the, the COVID. And I believe even there was a game that was just called due to the fact that there was COVID on BCU's team or something. So he couldn't, he couldn't even play the game. So, you know what I mean? Like, so it, this, it's, it's unprecedented territory that we've entered here. Um, the teams are doing their best, but this... Uh, the, the non-continuity of the season and the disjunction that all the players feel, basically, it's kind of put everything up for grabs, which has kind of made the March Madness tournament all the more exciting because you have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, it's fun. It's really fun. I think pretty much everybody's lost their bracket. Uh, there was millions and millions of brackets put together, but because of the upsets, I don't think anybody would have been able to predict it. Um, Gonzaga is the odds-on favorite uh, going into the tournament undefeated and 27-0. and 0. Uh, If they can win seven games uh, during this tournament, they'll become the second team to win the championship, go undefeated since Bobby Knight's uh, Indiana team in 1992. And um, so that'll be historic. Um, Gonzaga's always in there. They sort of disappoint. They don't quite get the you know end of the dance but this year might be the year for them it might be the year it might be the year and they got they got a strong team they got a very very strong team and they have a great chance but you know it's a it's a strong ask to win seven straight or seven and oh after already a pretty historic run as they've had so far so ooh, let's see if they can do it It'd be great if they could um, Sure will be, yeah. 
Yeah, I watched them today. They looked really strong. You mentioned the one game where the, the team couldn't take the court because they had some COVID protocols. Uh, Oregon just got a buy into the into the next round, uh, which was uh, crazy for them. Uh, they hadn't played in 10 days, and they were able to take the court today and win as well. And uh, by this afternoon, I'm not sure any of the later games, but uh, the Pac-12 was 7-0 and inside this tournament. Uh, no other conference uh, is even close to that type of record. So really nice to see a lot of these West Coast teams having so, so much success. Of course, it's great to see some of these West Coast teams have that much success because that's close. That's in our neighborhood. That's pretty much in our backyard. And, uh, you know, like, it's just great to see the Pac-12 do well because they have not done well in this tournament for quite some time. And for them to go 7-0 and is uh, quite the accomplishment. Yeah, when I um, worked for uh, Fox Sportsnet down in Seattle, I got to cover um, the Pac-10. It was Pac-10 back then and uh, went to a ton of games uh, all through that conference. And I followed it. It became uh, something that I sort of had some loyalty to and uh, felt allegiances to. And I, I saw a lot of the really, really strong fan bases there. And it was always really fun, uh, very great interstate rivalries between so many of these teams. Uh, it was great to go to Oregon, great to go to California. Washington State obviously had their uh, great teams. And yeah, it's uh, I, I just love that Pac-12 and amazing to see them having so much success. It It's really creating a big stir around here on the West Coast. Yeah, and as it should, and rightfully so. These, these, these guys have trained very hard in a, in a very weird, odd year having to deal with COVID and uh, just to, to see them succeed the way that they have has just been, it's been a pleasure to watch. Well, the basketball world was rocked a bit today. Uh, the news that Elgin Baylor passed away today. Uh, he died of natural causes at 86 years old. Uh, considered one of the greatest NBA players to ever live. He had a 14 year career all in the Lakers organization. Uh, he went to 11 All-Star games, uh, eight NBA finals in his 14 years. And alongside Jerry West, they were just such a great combination. Really started that Lakers dynasty coming into L.A. And um, he will be greatly missed. Uh, amazing player, but from all accounts, uh, just one of the greatest guys to ever, ever live. And just had an amazing life and such an impact on the NBA. Yeah, yeah, he was an amazing individual and he'll uh, be sorely missed. But, you know, like what they did in the past between himself and, and Jerry West, you could kind of say that they were the start of the Lakers where they had tandems. Right now, modern day, you got Anthony Davis, LeBron James. For that, Shaq, Kobe. For them, for all of them, you had Elgin Baylor and Jerry West. So that was the start of Showtime. They started it. Yeah. I'm going to show a little bit of highlights here. I've got a small amount of uh, high, career highlights for Elgin Baylor. So let's, uh, let's pull it up.
Yeah, so that was that was fun. He was uh, considered one of the first high flyers. He was able to, you know, get a lot of lift off. A lot of guys that uh, started that followed him that were high flyers that dunked the ball said he was their inspiration. A lot of guys didn't play uh, the style that he played, and he he sort of ushered in a new era for the NBA and. Uh, all the highlights I see, man, the guy was just so fluid through the air. He could score with both hands, great at passing, amazing on all aspects of the game. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it's a tragic loss, um, but uh, fantastic uh, life. Um, he, he has a couple of records. Uh, he still holds the record for the most points scored in the NBA Finals game, which is 61. And he's the very first player ever to surpass 70 points in a game. He did that with a 71-point effort December 11th, 1960 against the Knicks. Inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1977. And after his playing career, he was a coach with the New Orleans Jazz. And then he became an executive. And he was the general manager with the Clippers for, for 22 seasons. Uh, he was named the executive of the year there in 2006. And... Lifelong basketball guy. Uh, yeah, as I said, so many tributes coming out today. So many people saying how great of a human being he was. Yeah, yeah you know, like um, he, he loved the game. Loved the game so much that he stayed in the game even after his playing days were over. That's, that's, that's how much this man loved the game. And it, he was definitely a force for uh, the future generations of basketballers, basketball players. And, uh, you know, it it was, must have been such a pleasure to have been mentored by a Hall of Fame great like that before any of the organizations that he worked for and such. So, uh, again, a terrific human being, and he'll be sorely missed. Well, uh, while we're on basketball, we started with March Madness and NCAA. We're um, on to some NBA news. Why don't we talk about – there's a game going on right now. And it's uh, the Raptors who have lost eight in a row against the Rockets that have lost 20 games in a row. So I don't think uh, this is a national game. I don't think people are uh, breaking down the door to try to watch this game. But um, unfortunately, the Raptors are losing by nine, uh, nine and a half minutes left in the third quarter. Uh, can you believe that the Raptors have sunk this low that they could uh, help Houston snap a twenty-game losing streak. Uh, I, I, yeah, it, it's it's disappointing. It, it's but again, this season has been so weird and odd with the COVID thing. So normally, this wouldn't be a thing. Normally, the Raptors would win this game and probably cruise to an easy win. But since this is not a normal season. Ain't nothing normal about this season. Yeah, okay, well, I can see the Raptors losing to a team that's lost their last 20 games. I can't believe I'm actually saying that. Yeah, but yes, it, it can happen, and it is happening. Maybe the – I hope the Raptors snap out of it. I hope that they can bring it back. Hopefully Fred Van Fleet catches fire or somebody, like anybody. I'll take anybody. Norm Powell, you know, Pascal Siak. Somebody, please. But, you know. We'll, 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 we'll see. There's uh, tons of time left. Uh, I'll keep my eye on the game and give you some updates uh, as the game wears on. But 
this Raptor streak started with the COVID. All the coaches were out, and then suddenly some players, and then boom, we were down uh, three starters, uh, five regulars, and they they lost. Um, you know, most teams would lose with that type of uh, impact from COVID, but um, a lot of guys have come back now, and uh, this losing continues. Um, what seems to be the problem in your mind? I think what's the problem is like there's no continuity with the team. They have not played together for uh, for long stretches of time. And also, too, when I say continuity with the team, that goes to the coaches, too, because a lot of coaches were gone for significant amounts of time. So their defensive schemes and offensive schemes were kind of thrown 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 into like a, like a whirlwind of what's going on because they don't know what's going on. You, got, you don't have coaches to really coach up your team. What are you doing out there? Well, it's a mismatch of whatever, you know? So uh, all these things have conspired against the Raptors, which has made their season exceptionally tough to deal with. There's been a lot of rumors uh, about trades. Um, Lowry's been on the block for months. Uh, Norm Powell uh, has been rumored to be going lots of places. Uh, <clears throat> do you think that the trade deadline's Thursday? Do you think the Raptors are going to be buyers or sellers? Sellers. I, I think there'll be sellers. Um, I think they're definitely looking at Kyle Lowry to get rid of his contract and get assets. I think, I think that's, that's the biggest trade that they're looking at. If they can keep Norm Powell, they will, but he's not safe either. If they can get something back for him as well, they'll trade him as well. You know, like I, I think that they're willing to shop whomever, as long as they feel that they're getting something back uh, for the benefit of the team for the future. So, um, but I would say that Kyle Lowry is number one for sure. And then it goes from there. Kyle Lowry, I think tonight is 35th birthday. So happy birthday, Kyle. Uh, that usually starts signaling the end of a NBA player's career, unless you're named LeBron James. Um, yeah, I could see Lowry moving, but it really looks like Norm Powell uh, is on the block. Uh, he has a player option for next season, but uh, from all accounts, he will definitely uh, decline that option. Uh, he's probably going to get paid about $20 million a year from uh, what he's been doing lately, averaging about 30 points a game and, and being, being a really big, big asset. So, um, yeah, I expect Norm will be um, traded. I'm not sure about Kyle, but um, there's lots of rumors that uh, the Clippers really want him, the Sixers really want him, a um, few other teams. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, he's an asset, and he will be really a big, uh, big asset for a team that's making a push. I don't think the Clippers um, have enough to give back to the Raptors because of what they did to try to get Kawhi and, and Paul George under contract. But I could see Philly really working out well for him. Uh, he's a Philly guy and um, they would love to have a guy that would be able to distribute the ball to, you know, their, their top uh, three guys that they have there. Uh, I could see that happening and, and uh, you know, Kyle might welcome it um, to go to a team that's right at the top of the Eastern conference. Here's the thing about Kyle Lowry. You add that dude to your team, your team gets that much immediately better. Yeah. And now you're in, you're in the conversation of 
finals. That that's how good that guy is. You know, like that's what adding him to your team that may be missing a piece does. Because he's a winner. He's a proven winner. And he is he's gritty. He's super, super tough mentally. And uh yeah, you add that piece, you you are now in the conversation of going to the finals and possibly winning. Yeah, uh, Sixers are top of the Eastern Conference right now, 30 and 13 record. They've got a 19 and 4 record at home, uh, 8 and 2 in their last 10. Uh, they're one game up on the Nets and two games up on the Bucks. The Bucks have won six in a row, and they're really starting to pull it together, 9 and 1 in their last 10. And the Hawks, Hawks have won eight in a row, and they're in fourth place now. Uh, a couple games above 500, but eight in a row. What a huge. Um, Huge stretch for them. They're looking really, really good. Yeah. Well, you know what? Finally, I think um, I want to say that Trey Young and uh, Collins had a coming to Jesus moment where they they came together and said, we, well, we got to try to figure this out. We got to try to figure out how to play together and win together. And from this eight-game win streak, it's 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 been shown that they're figuring it out. They really are figuring it out. And the team is coming together and responding well. They're two superstars playing well. Yeah, we'll see what the Raptors do this week. Um, Thursday's the trade deadline. Raptors are in 11th, the top 10. Um, have a shot at the playoffs. Uh, they'll have a play in between the uh, 7 through 10. So uh, we'll see how it comes together. But yeah, if the Raptors get rid of uh, Lowry and Powell, uh, I don't see them uh, making the playoffs. Um, they have shown a lot of interest recently in uh, Rashawn Holmes, the 27-year-old center from the Kings. Uh, he's having a great year, about 20 points a game, 8.6 rebounds, a couple of blocks a game, shooting 65% from the floor and 81% from the free throw line. I think um, he would be an upgrade to uh, what they've got going on right now. Yes, definitely. Um definitely in this, their center position is weak to say the least. So anything that they could put there to strengthen or bolster that position would be an upgrade from what they have right now. Yep. Uh, in the West, uh, the Jazz still lead uh, 30 and 11, a uh, couple of games up on the Suns, three up on the Lakers and four up on the Clippers. Um, Lakers were dealt a huge blow with LeBron James uh, getting a high ankle sprain that can uh, take a while to heal. Uh, that was a pretty serious looking injury um, with Anthony Davis first out before and now LeBron out. Uh, I think the Lakers are probably going to plummet down the standings a little bit. And uh, until uh, one or both of those guys comes back, I think they're in trouble. Yeah, I would have to agree. Um I found, I found it was a little bit ridiculous that uh, the players were trying to, like, you know, obviously the Lakers players were trying to take up for LeBron and have his back, but Solomon Hill didn't mean to do that. It wasn't a malicious act. It was it was a basketball move. They were both going for the ball. And unfortunately, his injury happened to him. So I, I just want to say that. But now that both of their, their super-duper superstars are both out, yes. They're going to suffer. They're going to lose some games. Um, I guess the, the, what, the, what the team is going to have to try to do is try to 
not have it be like just a landmine of losses. You know what I mean? They, they're going to have to try to figure out something and cobble together some wins during this stretch of time while their su- two superstars are out trying to recover from their injuries. Yeah, it's, uh, you look down the standings, it's uh, kind of playing out to how a lot of us expected it. Um, as I said, the top four teams, Jazz, Suns, Lakers, Clippers, and then the next four are the Nuggets, Blazers, Spurs, and the Mavs. Mavericks uh, absolutely blew out the Blazers yesterday, which kind of was a big surprise. Warriors sit ninth, uh, one game behind the Mavs, and Grizzlies are in 10th. Pelicans um, looking pretty good most games, and uh, they had another big win. Uh, But they sit at 18 and 24, tied with the Thunder down in 11th and 12th place. Um, They might... They might just not be able to pull it together this year. And the, the last three teams, Kings, uh, Rockets, and T-Wolves, um, yeah, they're far, far out of it. Rockets, um, they're 11 points up, 84-73 on Toronto with four minutes to go in the third quarter. So Raptors still have time, but 11-point deficit at this point. So, yeah, how uh, it's really been tough on, on the Raptors. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll give you another update later. Uh, I guess the last thing I want to mention with the NBA is that Blake Griffin had his first game as a net yesterday, and he had his first dunk since 2019, and he had a block. He only scored two points in 15 minutes of action. But um, did you see the celebration and everybody jumping around because he finally got a dunk? Yeah, yeah, which is kind of hilarious because you remember what Blake Griffin used to do? He used to do that, like, all the time on the regular. But uh, now that he's old man Blake Griffin, you know, he had to get them old legs up, <laughs> get that dunk in. So it was amazing. Awesome. It's amazing how a guy can have a couple of injuries and then suddenly he can't can't elevate anymore, can't do those spectacular things. Uh, his, his early part of his career, he was just this – incredible guy to watch uh he he would just have the, some of the most spectacular dunks in the history of the nba and and uh to see how far he falls after some knee injuries and stuff it's crazy well yeah it's 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 the physical it's the physicality of the nba eventually this grinds and wears away away at you except if you're lebron james and then nothing happens like you're just everything is good all the time but <laughs> with Blake Griffin, unfortunately, um, with the with the myriad of injuries that he suffered, his uh, hops have suffered. So it, it's cool to see that uh, you know he can still get up there a little bit, still dunk the ball a little bit. Yeah, but the Nets, uh, the rich get richer. Uh, yeah, if he can come back and be an asset for them, uh, you know, holy cow, look out, league. Uh, they've already got so many good guys. Um, uh, there was a a tough story that uh, just came out. Uh, I guess this happened a couple of months ago, but they kept it quiet. Uh, Sean Bradley was paralyzed paralyzed after a bicycle accident. He was hit by a vehicle and knocked off his bike, and he's paralyzed. I had a chance to uh, talk to Sean Bradley, be around him on a few occasions. Um, uh, seven foot six. And uh, skinny as you could ever be, uh, you could ever be at that uh, height. Uh, but he was a huge asset in his day, and really hard to shoot the ball over him. Uh, really sad. Hopefully, he can make a recovery. 
Uh, this was um, tough news uh, that just came out over the weekend. Shocking, shocking. Um, it it it's 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 amazing how something like that can just change change your life in an instant, in an instant. And uh, um, thoughts and prayers obviously go out towards the family, and uh, hopefully he can recover and maybe even make a full recovery. You know, like so. You know, thoughts and prayers. Uh, I guess, oh, I did say that was going to be it for the NBA, but um, did you hear that Nick Nurse got fined 50K for taking his mask off, throwing it uh, behind the scorer's table towards some stands, had some profanity as he uh, exited the game. He was mad because um, the team that they were playing against, and the, uh, the team escapes me right now, but they had... 44 free throws attempted and the Raptors had 12 that game. And uh, he thought it was a little bit uh, one-sided from the officials. So uh, did you see any of that footage? No, I did not see any of that footage, but when you throw your mask, you get your point across. That's the new thing now. That's the new thing. Now, you know, he's super angry because he, I can't even talk with this thing around my face. I'm going to throw it at people. Yes, I'm angry. It's like, okay, well, yeah, you're super angry. You don't have to pay us 50000 but yes, you got it. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah, that's probably the first, I think that's the first fine I've ever heard of anybody throwing their mask. So, um, yeah, hopefully we don't hear too many more of those, but, but yeah, uh, yeah first time in history. So he, he set a record. Hopefully people aren't going to try to break it. Well, yeah, I, I, I hope so. And I think so, you know, like, obviously, these protocols are in place to keep everybody safe. So and I'm sure Nick on in retrospect is like, well, ah, that probably wasn't the smartest thing. But when you get heated, you get heated. And, you know, and uh, these things happen. Okay, well, uh, I want to switch to the UFC. Uh, there was a great card this weekend. But I do want to mention our partners and sponsors first. So let's really uh, mention them first. Yeah, uh, Anchor's been a great partner and sponsor for Complete Sports Media. They've been fantastic at posting on multiple podcast platforms. And if you just go to anchor.fm, they will be able to set you up. It's called the easiest place to make a podcast. So if you want to do what Jason and I are doing, uh, just head there and follow the instructions. Uh, another partner for us, Verbero. They're the hockey equipment and apparel company. They're an industry leader in technology, performance, and value. And the V350 stick is something that you need to get in your hands and get out on the ice with. Uh, Pampas and Possibilities, they design and sell dried florals, do floral arrangements and installations. They're designers of handmade curated West Coast things at very reasonable prices. And Forever Living, the aloe vera company, they grow and manufacture aloe vera-based products for health and beauty. So just go to completesportsmedia.com and you can find out lots more details, purchase products at discounted rates, and please support our partners and sponsors as always. So, okay, well, we, uh, we had another UFC card. Uh, it was impacted by COVID as well as some weight cutting, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, we should talk about this main event. And um, you had made a prediction that Kevin Holland uh, was going to take this victory. 
Uh, Dana White said he had a mental breakdown that evening. A lot of conversation about too much talking, not enough fighting. Uh, Derek Brunson was able to uh, grind out a five-round decision victory over Kevin Holland. And uh, what were your thoughts, uh, how it ended up playing out? Okay, so um, I'm just going to say Derek Brunson did what he needs to do to win the fight. Uh, he showed his veteran savvy, um, used his wrestling to his advantage, and the fact that he was a much bigger man than Kevin Holland in that ring, right. and used that That's to right. basically smother Holland for five rounds. Now, the thing is, though, I thought Holland lost this fight more than Brunson won the fight. Yeah. Holland did a lot of things that I thought was ridiculous. Number one, whenever he went down to the ground in the wrestling exchanges, he accepted the position. I never saw him fight to try to get back to his feet. I never saw him try to chain together some submission attempts to try to reverse the position or try to create scrambles. He didn't do any of these things. He basically almost said, he's too big. He's too strong. I'm not even going to bother. And that was what led to his downfall. On top of that, once he did actually have some success in the second round where he did go off, and I think he pieced him off with a five-punch combination that really, really hurt Derek Brunson. Like, he could have possibly won the fight even then, but he did not have sufficient distance. His distance management sucked. And then Brunson was able to suck him in and take him to the ground again. He should have created more distance and kept peppering him with shots. He could have possibly won that fight. But I don't think mentally, as Dana White said, his head was in the game enough. And he lost the fight. And also, too, I want to say another thing. I didn't like what he said at the end of the fight. I didn't like the fact that he was just like, well, you know what? Whatever. I guess I'm going to go down to 170, yada, 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 yada. And I was just like, what are you talking about? Like that's that's not that's that doesn't tell me that you have the the, the fire and the will of, of a champion. You know what I mean? That that's that's what I heard. I didn't I, I just heard accepting the fact that you know what I guess it wasn't my night. And yet, like he made excuses for himself. Unacceptable. Yeah, it was strange because. He was on that fight, five fight winning streak in 2020. He seemed to have all the confidence in the world. Uh, you're right, though. He accepted every takedown. His takedown defense wasn't good. He wasn't good in the clinch. Uh, but he fought the same size fighters. Most of these guys were as big as Brunson, and he had beat them all. Uh, but it just seemed like he, he was more interested in talking and saying funny things than he was at really – working super hard to get himself in position to win the fight. And uh, the acceptance factor was, you know, really, really disappointing uh, because, you know, he had finally stepped up in competition to a guy that was in the top 10 and really, you know, had, who had been there for a long time. He called him a gatekeeper and he, you know, he said a lot of derogatory things against Brunson. So Brunson wasn't going to take it easy on him. And, and he was, um, yeah, I just felt, he was super happy when he took Brunson down once. Uh, nobody ever said he could be taken down. He hasn't been taken down, but you have to celebrate much more than just that type of a thing in, in the cage. And uh, I didn't, 
you know, I, I find him entertaining, but when it it goes at the, against you trying to win, I don't want to have that anymore. If you're, you know, if that's going to be detrimental to you trying to win the fight, because you didn't really seem like he was trying to win the fight. And, uh, you know, entertainment's great, but you got to win. You got to try to win. Well, yeah, of course, because they go kind of hand in hand. You want me to cheer for you. You want to you want to be entertaining, but you kind of have to win. Got to win. That's why you're there fighting in the first place. Like that is literally the reason why you are fighting is to win the fight, not to entertain in the fight, to win the fight. And now if you can do both, that's even better. But you got to win the fight, man. You got to win the fight. And it just seemed like his head wasn't wasn't there. Wasn't there that night. Uh, you know, we saw it a couple of weeks ago with Adesanya biting off more than he could chew with Jan Blachowicz. Uh That that size advantage really can come into play. Uh, so if he saw that size advantage, he knew that was there. I don't understand why he would still come in, uh, you know, weighing a lot less. Uh, going into clinches, going into situations, not getting the takedown defense that he needed to keep the fight standing. You know, he, his only advantage really was to have that distance, have that ability to keep him on the outside. And like you said, in that second round, he had Brunson in a bit of trouble, uh, but he didn't fight that way the rest of the fight. And it was it was really bizarre to, you know, most of the people that were there to watch a main event and and see some guys that were, you know, going in, you're thinking, you know, they could be on similar levels, but um, Brunson proved that, no, you're, you're not ready for the big time yet. Yeah, Brunson proved that your mental state is not where it needs to be. Like, and it just wasn't. It wasn't. Like, he just, to me, he seemed completely off. And on top of that, like, whenever he talks, it seems like it's more nervousness than anything else. And that's just how he deals with him being in a fight. It's just him talking. But it's, it just seemed like it was way more than what it ever needed to be in this particular fight. Way more. Uh, Brunson called out Paulo Costa. And I thought immediately, oh, that can't happen because Costa was scheduled to fight a title contender fight between Whitaker. But then I heard that Costa had COVID problems and was out of that Whitaker fight. So Whitaker's now fighting Gastelum, and possibly now Brunson can fight Costa because Brunson said he got some cuts and he's probably going to need a couple months between these fights. Costa might need some time to get himself back from COVID. It might just uh, line up quite well for them, and uh, I, I could see this being a good fight. Yeah, yeah, the, the possibilities there for sure. And... The, the timing actually might line up now between those two fighters. So uh, it, it's, it's something for us to keep an eye on for sure and see how that develops. Yeah, I think it'll be great. Uh, there, there's also the possibility of Jared Cannonier, who's up in that top five. And um, uh, Holland ended up calling out Bilal Muhammad, says he wants to go to, down to set 170. Uh, they um, they had supposedly had something in the works before that got um, called off. Um, do you think Holland's going to go to 170? 
I'm kind of interested to see what he's going to look like at 170 because he's already super tall and lanky as is. Like, I, I don't. It, I think it's going to be hard for him to lose the weight. To be honest with you, like for him to even get down there. Yeah, he's going to have to get a dietitian and stuff. I, I just, I was trying to picture how he would look at 170, and I couldn't do it. I like because he's already a really, really lean fighter, and so he's just going to lose 13, 14 more pounds on top of that? I don't know, man. I don't know. It, it, that, maybe he can do it. It'll be interesting to see. But also, too, calling up Allah Muhammad. Okay, great. You know he almost lost his eye, right? Guy's not going to be fighting for a while. So, yeah. There's that, too, as well. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was really disappointed. Uh, too much clowning around for me. Uh, you know, I... I I've been entertained by Kevin Holland, but uh, this just uh, took the cake and really, um, I think, put a bit of a damper on the main event for me. Uh, the co-main event was postponed uh, between Gregor Gillespie and Brad Riddell uh, because of COVID. So they, um, they jumped up uh, a fight, uh, Max Griffin and Song Kanan, and... Um, uh, Max Payne Griffin uh, really looked amazing, uh, was able to uh, hit him, knock him down. Uh, he pretty much KO'd him with a shot to the back of the head before Peterson knocked him off. Um, but I didn't expect um, Max Griffin to win that way. I thought he would take him to the ground, grind him out, uh, do a lot of ground and pound. But um, yeah, his... Uh, his shots were pretty deadly and lethal and um, got him a really quick knockout two minutes and 20 seconds into that first round. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Max Griffin brought the pain as it were. <laughs> and you could tell once he connected with, once he not just connected detonated with that first right hand, you saw Song's face and it was just like, Whoa, what was that? <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm, I'm in shock right now. So once that, that first right hit him, I think Griffin was like, okay, this is going to be pretty easy now. He's going to go down pretty quick. Because he hit him with that right, rocked him, another left-right combo, put him down, a little bit of ground and pound, and it was over. Man. It was over, and it was said and done. Dominate, dominated win by Griffin, and it was a great win by Griffin, too. Yeah. Yeah, you got 50k for one of the performances of the night. Uh, new father, so he needs the money. Uh, he called out Jeff Neal, and um, that could be who he fights. Um, also, uh, some other names that have been bandied about over the last couple of days Tim Means, James Kraus, and Alan Joban. Uh, that's his ninth knockout. And yeah, um, Jeff Neal, that was a kind of a cool call out. Uh, I think they, yeah, there might be a good battle between those guys. I think that's a great call out. Great, great call out. Um, and I could see definitely see the UFC making that fight happen. Because the UFC, the one thing that they've been pretty consistent about, you got a great call out, they usually make that fight. That was a great call out. Sure. Uh, there was another fight that was supposed to happen that was pulled off the card. Uh, Yulia Stoliarenko was um, supposed to fight. Uh, through the night and uh, this is what happened on Friday when uh, she got onto the scale. I'm going to show you two clips, uh, two different times that she stepped on the scale on Friday to try to make weight. 
goes into a little bit of um, explanation there. And I'm going to show the second clip. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> so they uh, picked her up, uh, dust her off a little bit, and put her back on the scale. And uh, this is what happened next. The fifth away, 135 and a half for Julia Stoliarenko. Uh oh. Uh oh. So, uh, needless to say, the fight was canceled. Uh, she had to go to the hospital and check on, on her condition. Um, another example, and I've been saying it for a year doing this program, not, well, not quite a year, but a good eight months or so. Um, you've been saying it a lot. Um, we have to do something about these weight cuts. Uh, it's going to, um, it's going to seriously harm somebody's health. And, uh, look at that, uh, you know, twice she fell collapsed, uh, you know, seriously dehydrated, seriously in trouble. Uh, she tries to go on to explain, oh, everything was fine, and I, oh, I had the easiest weight cut of my life, and all this kind of stuff, and, uh, you know, uh, there was no explanation for that, being able to say that she was fine, because, you know, you don't collapse twice like that uh, if you're fine, and I, I, I hate these weight cuts. I think it's super detrimental to the sport, detrimental to these people's health, and um, we got to stop doing it. She could have died. You know what I mean? Like that, that, that shows me just how abused her body was. Because literally her body shut down and she couldn't do anything about it. She was obviously, I, I want to say cognitively there, but her body shut down on her and there was nothing she could do about it. Nothing. That's scary. That's super scary. That's something that, the USC doesn't need to see. That's what something fans don't need to see. I, I, I don't need to see that. I don't, I don't want to see somebody trying to cut weight and then die before they even get into the into the octagon to fight. Like that's just that's ridiculous. It's nonsensical. It doesn't make any sense. And so yes, first off, the UFC did the right thing by not throwing her in there and saying, "Yeah, I think she's good. Go for it." <laughs> No, man, you can't fight. You can't fight, man. You can't even stand. So, yeah. Uh, I, I, I think they have to I think they have to start implementing a rule that you have to weigh that when you walk into the cage. You have to that's what you have to weigh. Uh that that's the one hour before or you know, whatever it is, but two hours before, you have to step up on the scale and be that weight just as you're about to walk into the cage. Cause it's just it's harming fighters. Uh, I, I hear that they're, they've lost so much water in their bodies that their brains are actually shrinking because their brains are, don't have oxygen, don't have water, don't have 
And, you know, that's that's long-term effects. You know, they're worried all the time about these concussions and long-term effects of that. But uh, if your brain is suffering because it doesn't have oxygen, it doesn't have water, it doesn't have any nutrients for a certain amount of hours, um, you know, that's going to seriously affect somebody's health, mental health. Uh, you know, it's, it's wrong and it's something that this sport has to do to change uh, because it's getting worse and worse and worse uh, as, as time goes on and we're seeing it and somebody is going to die and then the things will change. Let's change it before a tragedy happens like that. Yeah, because like, just, just look at that video and then we've, and all the other videos that go along just with this one. There's been so much and fighters will always push the envelope to get an edge. It's kind of what they do, the fighters. Fighters will always push the envelope. So it's incumbent upon the organization to reel them in, to make sure that they can't push too far. Because once they push too far, there may be no coming back. Yeah, yeah well said. So yeah, uh, let's, let's change this. It's wrong, it's wrong, wrong, wrong. Uh, I know a lot of people in the combat business, wrestlers, boxers, all these people have been doing it for years, but we just don't have to continue it. It's barbaric, it's wrong. It doesn't have to be that way. Just to fight your, fight your regular weight and uh, continue on. Uh, I think it'll be so much better for the athletes and the sport as a whole. So, um, okay, let's touch on to a few more of the fights. Uh, the women's strawweight fight, uh, which was um, just before the co-main, uh, Montserrat Ruiz uh, beat Cheyenne Boys, uh, Bays, sorry, Bays. Um, her husband was on the same card. He was in her corner, uh, but he wasn't able to help her because uh, Ruiz, the Mexican, was able to get these headlocks, get these takedowns, keep her on the ground in a headlock, and uh, grind out a, um, a serious good win for her. Uh, there was a lot of bad blood, a lot of animosity after that fight ended. Um, but yeah, um, Ruiz was the, the much better fighter on the night. Yes, she was. She, she had one trick that Baez couldn't stop, which was that bulldog headlock to the ground and keep her there. <laughs> like pretty much that was her move. That was her go-to. I was kind of surprised that Baez didn't have a counter for it because I'm pretty sure if you watch other fights of Ruiz, that's her move. So you kind of have to work on defending that move. That, that ridiculous move. So, and, but I, I'm going to say that Fies was clearly the better fighter and striker on the feet when she had distance and she could dance a little bit. Oh yeah, she could have she could have won that fight. But every time distance was closed by Ruiz, she threw that arm around her head, got that headlock, and just <laughs> tossed her to the ground. So I'm going to say that Ruiz definitely had the strength advantage in this fight. Definitely stronger than her because Fies really did not have an answer for that headlock. She had no answer for that. I'm very curious too, but at the end of that fight, what was said between the two women is Bias lost it. She lost yeah. it. <laughs> she actually said that she got spit on uh, by Ruiz. Ruiz um, said, no, 100%. I didn't spit on anybody. There's no way. Um, but there was a lot of bad blood, a lot of things said. There was gestures. There was 
uh, yeah, there was a, a lot of animosity and anger after that fight ended. Uh, great to see uh, anger and animosity, uh, but um, yeah, they should have somehow figured out how to uh, use that in the cage. Um, Ruiz is a two, uh, I think uh, maybe it's seven time national wrestling champion in Mexico. So uh, yeah, Bay should have definitely had the takedown defense and figured out how to stop the control uh, that she had on the ground. Uh, she's a little powerhouse at uh, five foot nothing and uh, <laughs> 10 and one now. Uh, yeah, I, I was entertained by the fight and uh, yeah, it turned out kind of how I figured it would, but uh, um, yeah, we'll see uh, if this bad blood continues with these two fighters. So uh, this fight before that had Adrian Yanez uh, fighting Gustavo Lopez and it was a hell of a fight, really good. Both very, very skilled, um, but Yanez ended up getting the um, knockout uh, 27 seconds into the third round. He had Lopez in trouble in all three rounds um, and he basically just did a, a walk away KO 27 seconds in. Uh, pretty impressive. He got 50K for, for that as well. And uh, I like this fight. It was a fun, fun scrap. Oh, yeah, man. Both of these uh, fighters had power. Uh, both of them could hurt each other. But the, the difference in this fight, for me anyways, was Giannis's counters. The precise, precision counters and the speed of his punches. Ridiculous. Like I, I was, I was so impressed with his counters and his patience in the fight because he knew that Lopez had the power to hurt him. He felt the punches. He even said in the post-fight interview. So he just took his time and picked his shots and he picked his shots. Well, so in that third round, when he had his opportunity, he put him down and he put him away with a perfect counter, right? All she wrote done. Uh, four, uh, five knockouts in his last six fights. He's on a, a six-fight win streak. He called out Nate Manis, uh, but Manis is already booked to fight Tony Gravely. Uh, so there was rumors today that uh, Trevin Jones uh, might be his next opponent, which um, should be a, a yeah a great battle. So we'll see what's next. Um, there, the heavyweight battle started the main card uh, between Tai Tuivasa and Harry Hunsucker, who came in on a four days notice. Um, Bam Bam uh, had a little bit of trouble earlier in his career, uh, three straight losses. He was able to knock out Stefan Struve very uh, prominently last time. And this one, it really wasn't a, you know, a close battle. Uh, he was able to take uh, Hunsucker out pretty pretty quickly with some really, really strong punching. Yeah, you could tell it was four days. You know, it, it, was, it was pretty obvious. <laughs> like this was, this was easy money for two of us. I'm, I'm sorry, Hunsucker, but he was clearly out of his league in this fight. Uh, the two of us attacked the leg, his lead leg, and almost just destroyed the leg right off the bat. And then since he took away his base, it was so much easier to strike with his punches. And then that was all she wrote. Didn't take him a lot of time to take him out. Yeah, the, the calf kicks were brutal. One of them just almost just buckled him and made him say, oh, I'm out of here almost. And then he yeah. took a huge shot. Uh, the shot that actually put him onto the ground uh, finally wasn't a big shot, but he was already wobbly and, and he wasn't uh, with it anymore. 
uh, a super quick KO and um, and then he got to do a shoey, which uh, is always something very fun. And uh, I always look forward to him uh, doing those. Um, he's got quite the personality and a, a lot of fun in the post-fight interviews usually. Yeah, yeah. His post-fight interviews are awesome. And I, 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 I couldn't remember where he grabbed that shoe from. But this is the thing. That's not his own shoe. That was somebody else's shoe. All right? The guy's an animal. He's an animal. I, I can't believe that. He just, he grabbed somebody's sweaty shoe and said, give me that shoe. I'm going gonna, gonna to put some booze in it. I'm going to do a shoey. <laughs> you guys awesome. He is awesome, yeah. There was some uh, names bounty to boat, about maybe his next opponent, Chris Daukas, is one of them. And Tanner Bozer, the Canadian, uh, is another. Tanner's uh, scheduled to fight somebody else, but um yeah we'll see uh yeah we'll see what cup happens uh i like i, I really like tied to avasa he said he doesn't watch fighting he just comes in feed his family do shoeys and uh walks away goes and drinks more beer and uh he's a lot, a lot of fun he makes makes me laugh and i'm glad he's um yeah he's on a two-fight win streak now and we'll see um who he comes up against next uh he was really uh thankful that hunsucker took the fight because he Lost his other opponent uh, earlier in the week, and uh, but was able to collect his bonus and, and move on. So uh, let's try to move through uh, some of these other fights a little bit faster. Why don't we um, talk a little bit about the lightweight fight between Grant Dawson and Liarno Santos? Um, they say it's the second latest knockout, but I don't know how you possibly can be the second latest because it was one second left in the fight when he started hammer fisting Santos on the ground and got the win. So um, explain to me how it could be the second latest. Uh, it's not possible, is it? Okay, so four minutes, 59 seconds and half a second? That somebody, <laughs> that is, 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 are we counting half seconds now? Is that what it is? So. I've because never seen that. I, yeah, because I don't get it either. I don't get it. I'm, 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 I'm all right with math. I, I understand numbers, so I don't, I don't get that at all. But Dawson, super impressed with. Super impressed with. Like, Leandro Santos definitely, I thought, had an advantage in the stand-up. But Dawson still found ways to get his shots in, especially with his overhand right. He rocked him with that right more than a couple times in that fight. And... Yeah. And then what Dawson did to Santos, which I thought was incredibly astute of him after the fight was done, he pressured him. He pressured him the entire fight. And because of that constant pressure, Santos finally wilted in the third round. He was exhausted. And so with the, the coupled exhaustion and those, those hammer strikes at the end of the fight, that's what did it. That's what won him the fight, and that's what knocked him out. I saw the uh, the corner come in. I think it was James Krause, and he sat down and he started yelling at him. Come on, man! I don't know who's winning. I don't know if it's one one two zero. Either way, I don't care. We got to finish this guy. We got to finish him. Do you understand? And he just drilled it into his head. And I think that was a uh, the big, uh, yeah. I think it was in his head. I think he was able to realize, you know, let's finish him. It was um, a really amazing KO, uh, especially coming one second away. 
they said the judges, two judges were on his side, that he was winning two rounds. But to me, it was really razor thin. I thought Santos did win the second round. He um, was great at takedown defense. Uh, there was a lot of, um, yeah, really great exchanges between the two guys. And uh, it was a hell of a fight. But uh, you're going to always remember that last second KO. And I think we're going to see it for years to come as a really way, a really wild finish to this one. Um, he called out Clay Guida, which um, made me surprised by that. Uh, did it surprise you? What? <laughs> that, that basically was my reaction. I was like, what? What did he just say? Clay Guida. Oh, okay. It, I didn't expect that. I didn't, no. I didn't expect that. I thought he would probably call out for a top 10 guy. You know, like where he's feeling himself now. I didn't. I didn't expect Clay Quita. <laughs> no, no, no. Paul Felder was doing the post-fight interview, and at, right after he called out Clay Guida, and he goes, "And you, Paul Felder, I want you to follow me on Instagram." And and Paul's like, "Oh, good. I'm glad you didn't call me out. I don't. I don't want to fight you. Not at all. Uh, no, thank you." But <laughs> it was kind of. Funny, it almost seemed like he was calling out Felder for a second there. Yeah, no, no. I love how he how he changed it up on him. Threw, he threw a change up. He goes, follow me on Instagram. Could you do that for me, please, buddy? He's like, yeah, sure. You bet. <laughs> that was his uh, lightweight debut, uh, 155. He fought his previous fights as a featherweight, and um, he went in as a favorite. Uh, Santos is a great fighter, but... But uh, 41 years old, um, you know, maybe starting to lose a little bit uh, off his game. But, um, yeah, like we say, um, not going to forget that fight as the last second KO from KGD, Grant Dawson. Pretty impressive. Uh, I mentioned Trevin Giles uh, earlier as a possible opponent for Adrian Yanez. Uh, Trevin Giles was uh, the victor in this middleweight battle between him and Roman Delice. Uh, got a decision win. Uh, Delice came into the fight 8-0. And, uh, man, he is one tough-looking mother. And uh, he came in. Uh, he used to fight at light heavyweight. Uh, has always been a really big boy. Uh, but uh, Giles um, gave him his first loss. And, and uh, man... Uh, uh, Delice just went for heel hook after uh, knee bar after uh, leg locks and uh, Giles uh, seemed to always just keep fighting him off, fighting him off and uh, was able to get uh, a big knockdown in the third and was able to get the uh, decision victory on all three scorecards. Uh, impressive win by Giles. Yes, it was. It was a close fight though. It was a very close fight and uh, with Roman, when he was uh, going for all those heel hooks and leg locks in the second, Giles was hitting him the entire time. And Very big shots, yeah. Huge shots yeah. from on his butt. And I was more impressed with the power of those shots. And I think that's what skewed the judges towards Giles because he hit him with some bombs. And then especially that right that he hit him in the third with, oh, I'll give it to Roman Delice. That man is super tough. Oh, that knocks out usually anybody else. Oh, anybody yeah. else goes he to is, sleep. He is super tough. Yeah. Yeah. Super impressive. And 
And yeah, this was a great battle. Um, Trevin Giles is a Houston police officer. So he does this uh, as a part-time gig. So pretty impressive that you're going to be able to go in against a guy like Delice and give him his first loss. And um, yeah, I, I love the fight. It was so great. Uh, I was amazed that he could uh, avoid all these uh, submissions on the ground for so long. But like you say, he was targeting his head and hitting him with all types of, of shots and uh, forcing Delice to give up some of these holds uh, so he wouldn't get bashed more. And uh, yeah, Giles is one tough guy too. Yeah, Giles is tough. And Delice's face showed what happens when Giles hits you with the power that he has. His face was a mess. It was marked up. There was contusions. There was looked like something was trying to come out of his forehead. It was crazy. Guys. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, this uh, KO by Montel Quick Jackson was pretty amazingly impressive. Uh, he faced Jesse Strader, who took the fight on nine days' notice. Uh, but Montel knocked Strader down in very quick fashion. Um, he got the 50K. And, uh, yeah, it was a very, very, very impressive KO by uh, quick Jackson, Montel Jackson. Yes, it was. And again, Jackson just showed his patience, waited for his opportunity and took advantage. Um, and then also too, Strader looked good, but I think with nine days notice, could have looked better with a full camp. Unfortunately, he didn't get a chance to, or an opportunity to do that. And Montel looked fantastic. He looked really good tonight, that night. Definitely. And uh, to start the evening, there was a knockout by Bruno Silva over JP Bays. Uh, as I said, his girlfriend was on the card. They kicked off the fight. He uh, took the KO loss, unfortunately, and had to go and uh, corner his girlfriend. Uh, Bruno Silva uh, mentioned that he trains with Henry Cejudo, and uh, that gives him a huge advantage. Um, he had uh, some very big right hands, uh, spinning back fists, uh, uh, a lot of really great move maneuvers, and, and was able to get the KO victory in the second round. The Bays didn't have a good night that night. They, did, they just didn't have a good night. It wasn't their night. Tough. And uh, Silva looked great, man. He looked great. His uh, striking was crisp, and he was able to put away a pretty tough guy in Bays. Yeah. Uh, one of the people that were there at the fight that night, uh, sitting beside Dana White, was Khabib Nurmagomedov. And uh, he is officially, officially retired. He said, I retired October 24th. I don't know why uh, nobody believes me, but I'm done. He finally had his meeting with Dana, who was thinking he can convince him to come back. Uh, but Khabib had said no. And um, Dana said that he was going to try to chase down all the people that were streaming these fights. And what was Khabib doing the entire time? Did you see him with his phone streaming the fights uh, right next to Dana? It was uh, kind of funny that uh, a buddy like that can do whatever he wants to do. Uh, you have to be friends, I guess, uh, if you want to stream the UFCs. Wait, what? No, no, I, I did not see that. So. You're, you're trying to tell me that he wasn't just going off like the UFC website or something like he was actually doing 
an illegal street, like right beside the guy that runs the UFC. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow, man. So I guess I guess Dana still got some work to do to get those illegal down, uh, like streamers, you know? Yep. Come on, Dana. Come on. Hey, he put his money where his mouth is, but I, I it's tough. It's tough. He's got a lot of work ahead of him. Like a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So Khabib's done. He's going to coach now, not coming back. Uh, so the belt is on the line for the next fight. And I thought it was going to be Poirier McGregor three getting the chance for this belt. But have you heard who's fighting for this belt now? May 15th. No. Michael oh. Chandler, Charles Oliveira, vacant title, whoever wins. <laughs> oh, my God. He really did it. Oh my goodness! Wow. Yeah, pretty it, bizarre, right? Eh? Like, come on, why? Why wouldn't Poirier get this chance? Like, that seems unbelievable. That that is a complete slap in the face to Dustin the Diamond Poirier. That is a, that is so ridiculously disrespectful to Poirier. I can't. That 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 man must be absolutely beside himself, furious. I know I would be. What are you talking about? Are you out of your mind? Are you crazy? Wow, man. Just, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say. So basically, he just said this. Michael Chandler, I know he just came in and whatever, but he's my new toy, and he's better than all of you, and I'm going to put him front and center. And anybody that's been grinding in the UFC for years, I don't care. I never did. That's the message he just sent. To everybody in that locker room, that's extremely disrespectful. You might it's, have some fallout from this, man. Big it's time. So wrong that you know Chandler can fight in an organization. It's not the USC for many years. They sign him. He has one good performance against Dan Hooker, and all of a sudden he's fighting for the belt. Um, yeah, I think you know. Hopefully, though, somebody gives a head a shake and and changes their mind. But that's what I heard today. I was really stunned by the news, and uh, they. They actually had uh, McGregor and Poirier supposed to fight in May, so maybe they were supposed to fight on this uh, occasion. They pushed that back now to July, from what I understand. Um, but uh, you know, they still should have no belt until Poirier gets that shot because he's he's the man. He is the man. He deserves the the first chance at this vacant title. And uh, yeah, to have Chandler against Oliveira, it's it's not going to, you know, probably have a lot of pay-per-view buys. And it's really, uh, you know, an unfair championship belt. Uh, I don't think it's going to have any merit for me, for many of the people in the game. I just can't believe they went that way. Like, I can't, I cannot believe, like, okay, I I'm trying to think this through here. Maybe there was something said in the Poirier camp that he absolutely wants the McGregor rematch. I don't know, man. It just doesn't seem right at all, though. Like, you're trying to tell me that you're just going to pass over the dude that has been fighting his ass off and has had unbelievable results in the last year and a half, and you're just going to give it to the dude that just came over? What are you talking about? That doesn't even make any It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. None. 
Well, I'm really disappointed. Uh, really, really disappointed. Uh, yeah, I think it's wrong. And the other disappointment that I heard over the weekend, I uh, texted you to let you know, uh, Alex Volkanovsky uh, contracted COVID. And so his fight with Brian Ortega next Saturday coming up is off. Um, really disappointed to hear that news. So am I, because I was super looking forward to that fight because you got you got these three guys in that division that are that it could be a miracle round with the belt with these three guys with Volkanovski, Ortega, and Holloway. Like literally, it could be a miracle round between those three guys because they are at literally at their peak right now, all three. So I hope that Volkanovski gets over this COVID thing as quickly as possible. I hope that his his health gets back right back up to 100% because that fight has to happen. However long it takes for him to recover, he recovers. That fight has to happen. And then whoever wins that again, Max Holloway is right there to fight again for the title. Yeah, no, that was too bad because we were going to have uh, USC 260 coming up this Saturday. Uh, we were going to have two belts on the line. Uh, but um, no longer. So we just have the heavyweight main event, uh, Stipe Miocic, Francis Ngannou. Uh, this is the second time they will battle. Uh, January 20th, 2018 uh, was a five-round uh, unanimous decision for Stipe. And, um, yeah, do you think uh, we're going to see a different result uh, this time, the second time these guys battle, or, or is Stipe going to uh, reign supreme as usual? I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm kind of curious to see in what kind of body shape Stipe comes in for this fight. Because against Daniel Cormier, he became in super lean. All right? Now, does with Nganu, does he come in? heavier and then take on Ngannou that way because we all know Stipe take a punch but we know now Ngannou's probably like going to be throwing a lot of punches like a lot of punches <laughs> like I, I have a feeling that Ngannou's going to be very 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 aggressive in this particular fight because we all know that Ngannou has the power to take out anybody in the heavyweight division and also, too, Nganu better been better have been working on his takedown defense because Stipe, as soon as he feels that he's not going to stand up, he's just going to take him down to the ground. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Nganu um, definitely has struggled on the ground. Um, definitely hasn't looked very comfortable there. And Stipe's, uh, you know, amazing uh, on the ground and great wrestler. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, you know, obviously Nganu, uh, if he can connect with some of his huge shots, uh, you know, he can take anybody in the world out. But uh, I think Stipe's faster. I think he's better on the ground, better at the clinch. Uh, if if this fight, you know, has the distance and Nganu can uh, land some of his shots for sure. But uh, I, I'm, I'm Stipe all the way on this one. And I, yeah, and I, you know what, I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you on this one. Stipe's the champ. He's been in there with the best, and he's always managed to figure out a way to win. And, uh, yeah, I, I think I think Stipe actually will probably make this fight easier on himself and just try to take him down. And then that's it. Because, now, yeah, yeah. Yeah. because now it's incumbent upon Ngannou to always fight down these, these takedown attempts. Uh, how many can he fight off? 
can he stay? Can he keep it standing? No, 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 man. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll see. Um, he he doesn't fight a lot, Stipe. He's uh, his last fight was against Cormier, winning the uh, the belt uh, again. Uh, that was August fifteenth, twenty twenty. So, um, yeah, we'll see if there's um, any rust there. Uh, the co-main event is Pitts, a guy that has made me so angry the last three or four occasions that he's fought that I might just ban this. I might just not watch this. I might just go somewhere for 5, 10, 15 minutes, whatever it takes. I, I have been so angered by Tyron Woodley. He has just not shown up for the last three or four fights. I felt like he robbed me, and I just don't even know if I should give him another shot here. I hope Luke just sends him into retirement because uh, for some reason his heart is gone. The last few performances were pathetic. And I'm just really angry at Tyron Woodley for the terrible performances that he's been putting on lately. And, and um, yeah, I don't even know if we should even talk about it next week because it'll just make me angry again because he's just, just not there anymore. Something's seriously wrong with Tyron Woodley. He doesn't deserve a co-main event, in my opinion. So tell me how you really feel, I guess. You know what I mean? <laughs> I... I, I understand. I understand, man. Like, he just doesn't seem to be living up to his potential, and his potential is otherworldly at times when he actually shows it. But um, the last couple of times out, he has not looked good. He has not looked good at all. Um, you know how sometimes fighters get old quickly? Maybe that's what's happening to Tyrone Woodley. Because what's happening to him feels like the same thing that happened to Rashad Evans, you know? All of a sudden, he just kind of fell off, and he was never able to get it back. So we'll see, because Luke, real tough fighter, really good fighter. So if he can't pull it together against this guy, then you know what? I, this might be all she wrote for Tyrone Woodley. Yeah, I don't understand how the UFC thinks he deserves a co-main event. Uh, three brutal losses, the last three fights, a loss to Usman Burns and Covington, and they were just terrible, terrible, terrible fights. I, I was not impressed whatsoever. Uh, you know, he doesn't deserve it to me. Uh, you mentioned Rashad Evans. I thought he was great on the, the post-fight stuff on the, the panel there. Um, looking sharp, looking great. Lots of good commentary. I love him in that role. We've seen Tyron Woodley do that as well. I think it's time. If he doesn't step up this time, I think it's time walk away from the sport. Uh, yeah, it's passed you by, and you just don't have the the heart for it anymore. Because uh, these last three performances, I I felt robbed. I felt really robbed, and I was angry because I actually looked forward to the fights, thinking that you know if Tyron Woodley comes in and and fights like he has and like he can, uh, it's going to be amazing battles. But all three were just completely lopsided. Didn't even show up didn't put an effort in and you know, that's not what the UFC is all about. So it wasn't good. Well, okay. So you're mad that he got the co-main. All right. Right. You're mad at that, but look at what the UFC just did with the lightweight belt, the strap. They just made those two guys fight. So, well, I guess they're two for two then two for two for disappointing the fans, not doing the right thing, you know, like, so, Maybe this is their new style. Maybe this is this is what Uncle Dana wants. Just piss us off. 
make us mad. <laughs> <He's saying. laughs> Maybe, yeah. Well, he's doing a good job of it. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. So, uh, you never know. Uh, we saw we saw weight cut problems. We saw COVID problems. You know, this isn't set in stone that it's happening. So uh, maybe it's going to be the bantamweight fight. Sean O'Malley's been a great fighter to watch recently. Kama Worthy's fighting on this main card. Uh, the prelims have, uh, yeah, we've, we've got some pretty good fighters. Um, uh, Nurmagomedov is fighting on the prelim card. And then we've got four fights on the early prelims. Uh, we've got a Canadian, Marc-Andre Berrio, fighting to lead off the night. And then we've got a really great women's flyweight fight between Jillian Robertson and Miranda Maverick. I look forward to that uh, as well. And um, yeah, it should be uh, yeah fun. I really wish those uh, two uh, belts were on the line and uh, Woodley was much farther down the card, even if <laughs> there at all. But we'll see how it all pans out. Um, just a couple of really quick notes before we move on. Daniel Cormier and you share the same birthday. He turned 42 on uh, the weekend, and he uh, said he spent the entire weekend watching wrestling, he, uh, college wrestling. They have their March Madness tournament, and uh, he said it was amazing. He works for ESPN now. They were able to give him feeds that he was able to watch every single match he, he did, just like me with the uh, NCAA. So he was a happy guy on his birthday. Uh, did you hear Alistair Overeem was released by the UFC? Um, that came out uh, this this past week. And, wow. Uh, yeah, that was a, a shocking turn of events. I thought, um, yeah, he, um, he said thanks for everything, but uh, he was released and he will no longer be fighting for the UFC. Maybe, wow. They, didn't he just lose a fight? Like, he just lost one. I thought he was like five and one in his last six or something like that. Like, uh, okay. <laughs> that's that's a little bit shocking. But at the same time, maybe they released him because he asked to be released. No? Yeah, I don't think so. But, um, yeah, we can look into that a little bit more. Um, yeah, he released a bit of a statement and said, you know, thanks for everything. But this will close the chapter. And he didn't say he's retiring. He didn't say anything of the sort. Uh, it made me think of uh, 10 years ago, the UFC absorbed Strike Force, purchased them, closed them down, took a bunch of the fighters. Overeem was one of them. Uh, Daniel Cormier was another. There's been a, quite a few great fighters that have come into the UFC and had some relative success. Obviously, DC probably being the biggest one of them. Uh, Derek Brunson was one, and uh, we saw him on the main event have a great performance. Uh, the other two guys that are seeming to be still in the mix right at the top of the game are Jorge Masvidal and Anthony Smith. But um, tons of those fighters over 10 years were absorbed, came in, had their performances, have now left the game. There's only a few fighters left from that strike force. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, it, was a good, it was a good move on the UFC to absorb all of those great fighters. And the strike force had a ton of them and a ton of great fighters uh, on their roster. And it just made the brand of the UFC that much better once they once they absorbed them into the fold. So, and it's cool to see that there's still some strike force holdouts still holding on and still fighting on. Awesome. Kind of cool, yeah. Uh, I should mention Cyborg, obviously she had her success uh, no longer with the UFC, obviously, but 
uh, came in, had a title, and uh, had a really good run until she ran into Nunez. But um, yeah, yeah. So ten years. That's uh, that was pretty shocking to me when I heard that it was ten years since that um, merger happened or that acquisition happened. And and uh, yeah, the, we're running out of guys that have appeared in both promotions. Uh, not too many more left. Um, Let's uh, let's finish our night uh, speaking about a couple of things that are happening in the NFL. Uh, I guess probably the thing that's kind of been on the biggest news has been Deshaun Watson. Uh, we heard he allegedly wanted out of Houston because of poor ownership, management problems, getting rid of uh, DeAndre Hopkins, having uh, a lot of problems, but um, I think he just wanted to get away from massage parlors and uh, just not deal with massage parlors anymore because uh, over the past week, 13 lawsuits have been filed on masseuse women that he has supposedly harassed, sexually um, touched, and did some inappropriate things. 13 lawsuits have been filed by mass massage women in the Houston area. So um, I don't think he's going to get his wish to be traded from there. Uh, the NFL's doing an investigation into this. I think he's in for some serious troubles with uh, the police, the NFL. Uh, he might not play football for a very, very, very long time. Uh, I, he's denied it, but 13 different women have said that he has done some inappropriate things uh, when he's come in to have a massage with them. That's a large number. It's <laughs> a large number. You like okay? Maybe you could you could defend two, maybe possibly thirteen. Th oh, that means you you did that. That that happens. You you did that stuff, and so he's he's not worried about getting out of Houston. He's worried about like staying free and staying out of jail because it looks like jail could be a certainty in his future for sure we've seen some we've seen some serious falls from grace uh, we've seen Michael Vick we've seen Aaron Hernandez we've seen a lot of guys have a lot of troubles in the NFL with the law and and uh, ruin their career but I haven't heard of a guy uh, you know this prolifically, um, having troubles with ladies. I don't know why he has to keep going to so many different massage people. I'm pretty sure that Houston would have a, a masseuse that could take care of his sore muscles. And I don't know if these were actual, um, you know, RMTs or they were at some, you know, shadier kind of establishments. But uh, this is just an epic fall from grace from, one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. And uh, uh, I, you know, I, I want to believe somebody's innocent till proven guilty, but when 13 people pile on, it's starting to get a little bit scary. And the other thing I do want to mention, though, is for some reason, none of these women did go to the police. None of them filed a report. None of them said, you know, hey, this went on. So um, when... The lawyer approached the first woman or the woman approached him. However, that meeting happened. Now he's approached a bunch more. So maybe these other ones are coming on so they can get money. 
I don't really know. It's just, it's craziness that's going on in Houston. And um, man, I, I'm just shocked by all this news that have just recently come out. I, I don't even know where to begin. Like, like if, if, if an NFL player is going to get in trouble, and especially if it's Deshaun Watson, the last thing I would have thought would be massage parlors. Like, massage parlors. That was his end. That's how his NFL career ended, was because of massage parlors. Like, I, I just, I, I'm speechless. I, I don't know where to even begin and end with any of that. Any of that. It's just ridiculous. I thought the man was smart. You know, like, he seems like he's a rather intelligent human being. So that you would think with that intelligence, he would know that he can't do certain things anywhere because you're, you're a celebrity. You're in the public eye all the time. What are you thinking? You're out of your mind? Are you crazy? You're crazy. Clearly crazy. If so this far, is yeah. As I said, the NFL is doing their own investigation. There could be some serious discipline. Uh, they have a personal conduct policy that they've implemented on a lot of guys from doing things that, you know, they're just not good and, you know, not with the, what the NFL wants to uh, have their players uh, be involved with. So, um, yeah, this is a hell of a mess and uh, really shocking news. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't see the, a guy that's on the top of the world, uh, you know, has the world by the tail, making tons of money, doing really great things in the league. Uh, yeah, fallen this far from grace. And yeah, I, I think this could be the beginning of the end of his career. And, uh, you know, this might have, this might have taken him down and, uh, Houston might've wanted to make that trade a month or two ago and, uh, got rid of the problem. Obviously they hadn't heard much, but I don't think any other team wants to touch him now. Do you think any team would say, sure, let's make a trade for him? Um, this is, this is almost like, like a, like a Ray Rice thing now where it's just like, nope, no interest. Sorry, not happening. Nobody's going to touch him until this is resolved. Nobody will look at him. This nothing. Nope. Nobody's going to touch him, man. You would not like if you're a GM and if you want to keep your job, you don't come near this guy. Nah. Yeah. Pretty tough. Pretty tough. Uh, let's end on a good note. Uh, the New York Giants made a huge signing today. Uh, they signed CB Adori, three years, 39 million, the cornerback from Tennessee. And yesterday they signed Ken Kenny Galladay, four years, $72 million. So um, they don't have any excuses. Daniel Jones has the uh, weapons he needs. They've, they're shoring up their defense. The Giants could be relevant again this year in a, in a really lousy uh, NFC East and uh, there's been tons of money handed out last week I was just boom 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 telling you all the huge contracts there's still been tons of money handed out and uh, but these were two big signings back-to-back -back days for the Giants well finally New Yorkers have hope that's all they wanted was just a little bit of hope please give us something give us anything and they got they got some receivers so that is awesome that is awesome to see and hopefully now something like things will begin to happen. Things will begin to occur. Positive things with this team because everybody loves their Giants in New York. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the Raptors did lose. 
1799 uh, uh, nine losses in a row and they snapped Houston's 20 game losing streak. I'm happy about that too because they started showing the uh, longest losing streaks in history and it brought back an old deep wound for me because I suffered through the Grizzlies 23 game winning streak losing streak back in the mid 90s and uh, it was, it was like going into a morgue 23 games in a row uh, into that locker room. Nobody wanted to talk to me. Nobody wanted to talk to a soul. They were absolutely horrible. They could not win. And uh, they have to keep putting it up there as one of the worst losing streaks in history. Cleveland Cavaliers still hold the longest losing streak in history at 26 games. Uh, but Houston has had an epically bad year after James Harden left. Uh, but the Raptors are, I guess, even worse right now. Uh, they couldn't even beat a team that has had that much horrible uh, performances in the last couple months. The Raptors, uh, yeah, they, they, they're, they're in trouble. They're in trouble. They're, they, 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 something needs to change on their part. And that change may come in the way of a trade. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, Thursday, you're going to be home watching. You're going to have to send me some um, texts and, uh, yeah, let me know. Uh, enjoy the March Madness that you'll be able to catch. Uh, tons of basketball games, uh, you lucky guy. Uh, you've been jealous of me because I've been off work for better part of about three weeks. But... Now you're off and uh, you're, the shoe's on the other foot. You're going to be sitting back while I'm working and you're going to be enjoying yourself a ton. It's about time. You know what I mean? Like I, I've been waiting for this for so long, for so long. And, and it just so happens that it's at my favorite part of the year during March Madness. So I am going to enjoy myself some games. I am going to enjoy sleeping in. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm just going to enjoy relaxing. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. Good for you, buddy. Good for you. Well, thanks for doing this again. Uh, had a really fun episode. I enjoyed it a ton. And um, yeah, I guess we'll talk through the week and uh, we'll do this again next Monday. You got it, man. Peace. Talk to you later. Okay. Take care. Bye for now. Thanks so much. Okay. That was, um, yeah, that was fun. That was great as usual. We got to cover the things that I wanted to cover and um, yeah, have a lot of fun, had a lot of laughs. Uh, yeah, strange events going on, fun events, lots of excitement, lots of incredible things in the world of sports as always. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did doing it. And I hope you have a great week ahead. Uh, yeah, we're starting to see great weather. Um, yeah, we're starting to see everybody getting the vaccinations and uh, maybe we'll get out of this COVID madness uh, sometime very soon. Uh, appreciate your support. Thanks to our partners and sponsors and thanks to our loyal viewers and listeners. Love you guys lots. Take care of yourself. Have a really great week and we'll talk to you soon. Bye for now.